0: Hey everyone, Jared Chaffrin coming to you with another edition of the Pucktown Podcast. The South Carolina Stingrays are getting set to open up a pretty lengthy homestand starting this weekend with three games against the Fort Wayne Comets, the only meetings of the season against Fort Wayne. And actually, the Stingrays haven't seen Fort Wayne since 2014. Uh, just one player left on the roster since the last time these two teams met. It's Andrew Chernichan, who was... A guy who had a couple uh, significant plays the last time these two teams met. But definitely going to be a formidable opponent for South Carolina as Fort Wayne has lost just one game in regulation this season. So some really good hockey coming your way this weekend at the North Charleston Coliseum. The Rays then have another four games next week. On Wednesday, March 24th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Orlando Solar Bears on the 26th, 27th, and 28th. And they'll cap off the end of the month with another home game on the 31st. So in total, just a ton of hockey coming your way at the North Charleston Coliseum. It's actually eight games at home to finish out the month of March. And March 19th is Friday night's game. We thought it'd be fun to recognize number 19, and that's Cam Askew. So I wanted to have him on the podcast this week, got into how he started playing hockey, what it was like for him uh, going through the early stages in his career, and then what it's been like for him here throughout his couple years with the South Carolina Stingrays. It's his third season with the Rays, but one of the most long-tenured guys on this roster, so it was great to catch up with Cam, hear a little bit more about how he got into hockey and a little bit more about him as a person. We, we had a bunch of different things going on this week with Cam Askew. But before we go into that interview, I want to recognize a player from last year's South Carolina Stingrays team. Logan Thompson made his NHL debut last week with the Vegas Golden Knights. Pretty incredible feat to go from a guy who was in the ECHL all season last year and get into an NHL game. He had been a backup uh, on the bench, backing up Marc-Andre Fleury, but the Vegas Golden Knights were out of the game and they decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna give Fleury a couple minutes of rest. So they bring in Logan Thompson, a guy who last year was a rookie, first year full pro. He had played a couple games of the year before with Adirondack in, in the Devils organization, but he comes in last year as a rookie and he started out A little bit inconsistent, but really got his game to the next level during the second half of the season and became one of the best goaltenders in the ECHL last year. He finished in the top basically every category, splitting time with Parker Milner, but really learned a lot more about his game last year. He loved his time here in Charleston. He enjoyed the area, enjoyed being here. and uh, When the season came to an end and he was looking at what he was going to do for this upcoming season, got a great offer and a great opportunity with the Vegas Golden Knights. He ran with it. He was on the team's squad that was back in Las Vegas when the NHL was in their bubble, when Vegas was playing in the playoffs to end last season over the summer. He was training in the Vegas area, even though the team was up in Canada in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Logan got an opportunity to continue training, continue working out, being one of those extra guys in case they needed some more players to be called into the bubble. He was on standby, didn't get a chance to go up into the bubble, but still got an opportunity to train and work out in an NHL facility the entire summer. And he was ready for this season, started with the Henderson Silver Knights and was a guy who was leading the AHL in many categories, was named goaltender of the month and was a guy that Henderson could depend on to start their season, saw a lot of time, seven games, 1.72 1.72 goals against average, a six and one record, save percentage of 94%, and earned himself an opportunity to to be a call up at the NHL level. And then actually got into a game for a couple minutes and was there when the uh, Vegas Golden Knights started to come back. They got back into the game. He was pulled a few times for an extra attacker. Vegas scored some extra goals and and didn't win the game, unfortunately, but did uh, have a great showing. And he's been a guy that can be a little bit dependable now at the, at the next level. So really wanted to recognize him as, you know, it's not often that you see anybody make it all the way up from the ECHL to the NHL. It happens, you know, maybe a couple times a year for each team where they see a guy who actually gets all the way up to the NHL and has an opportunity at that top level. But it's almost even rarer to see that happen so quickly as a guy who spent his entire year in the ECHL with South Carolina last year. And now, you know, a season later, recognizing success, not only at the AHL level, but getting an opportunity to get into an NHL game. Pretty great story, and uh, we encourage everybody to continue to follow Logan. Great guy, and we wish him the best of luck moving forward. So as we look forward to the new home stand that the Stingray is about to open up this weekend, want to bring it back to this year's team, and my conversation with forward Cam Askew is a great one. We hope you enjoy it. Joining me this week on the Pucktown Podcast... Really excited to have Cam Askew with me, a third-year forward, here for the South Carolina Stingrays. Cam, uh, thanks for for joining us. This has been a, a great week. Uh, fans getting to know you a little bit better here.
1: Yeah, it's been been a great week. Uh, appreciate you having me on.
0: We uh, we're doing a little $19 ticket special for the game coming up on Friday against the Fort Wayne Comets, and uh, Cam being being number 19, we figured we'd. Feature him, but but honestly, been meaning to have you on on for a little while. Here is uh you know you've been one of those longer tenured players. Now it's funny to say that because I remember when you when you got here as a rookie and uh you know fans fans took a liking to you right off the hop. But uh it's funny that it's been you know you look at the locker room and how things change over so quickly and you know there's only a couple guys left from from your first season even just a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, it is. It's definitely crazy how much how much turnover there has been, but um, it's a great great group of guys. Um, great coaching staff so love coming to the rink every day um these guys become your brothers and um no it's it's awesome
0: well one of the guys who's been who's been here your your entire time has been andrew chernachan the captain um you know from your perspective you know what what is it like for him he wasn't the captain your your first year but what has it been like you know, for him, seeing him as a leader and, and seeing him kind of evolve in, in a leadership role over the last couple of years?
1: No, it's been awesome. I mean, um, he's a great captain and, and a great player. Um, so easy to talk to if you need advice or, or anything like that. He's, he's been around and seen it all. Um, he's got some funny stories. And, um, no, he's definitely a great captain. And, uh, like I said, a great player. And uh, he's fun to watch.
0: Well, we'll uh, we'll bring it back to you growing up, uh, make you make you relive uh, some of your some of your uh, days when you were in Boston. You know, we we kind of talked a little bit, but you know, growing up, what was hockey like for you back then? When did it did it start to get a little more serious, and where you had to start making maybe decisions about where you might want to play and and what it was going to be like as you move forward with your career?
1: No, growing up playing in Boston, it was awesome. Um, so many good players, so many good teams, um, especially um, my age group was was pretty good, the 1997 age group. Uh, a couple of guys who are playing in the NHL right now who I played with. Um, so that's pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, I grew up playing for uh, the Middlesex Islanders. And then um, also played a year or two for the Valley Junior Warriors. Um, before going to prep school, I went to a day prep school Saint Sebastian's. Uh, I played varsity there for for one year and then um I went to Cushing Academy when I was, I believe, fourteen. Um that was my first year away from home. Uh wasn't too bad. It was only like an hour, hour twenty from home, so um that was awesome. Probably probably one of the funnest years of my life. Um you know, obviously I was pretty nervous moving away from home for the first time, but um some of the kids from there are my best friends to this day, so I loved it there, and then after that, I went to uh, the Quebec Major Junior League, um, played five years there, um, loved my time up there, um, also met some of my best friends till this day uh, up there, and um, like I said, loved it, and then um, signed in South Carolina after my 20-year-old uh, season there, and then um, this is... Like you said, my third year in South Carolina.
0: I want to bring it back to, to Cushing as you said you had a really good experience there. I think there's been some, some other people that have come through here. I, <coughs> I this is off the top of my head, but I think maybe Ryan Wersofsky played there. Um yep. but I, I think there's you know, there's been a lot of other people. What's what was that experience like for people who, you know, maybe a Stingrays fan who don't understand why you would go to prep school? What that experience is like, and you know that program specifically has churned out a, a really a lot of a lot of really talented hockey players.
1: Yeah, I mean um, that's probably one of the best the best prep schools to go to um, for hockey. Um, great locker room, great rink, um, and like you said, they've produced some 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 good NHLers uh, like Ryan Wersawski and his brother Dave also. Um, Keith Yandel, Tom Pody, um, Ray Bork's two sons also went there. Um, yeah, we had a we had a good team when I was there as well. And uh, like I said, it's an an awesome prep school, awesome time. Um, they treat you treat you like a, a professional there, which was awesome going there and only being fourteen years old. I've never never really been a part of something like that with uh, the student section and. The locker room and just the way we got treated it was an awesome time
0: it seems like that's a a point of pride for people as well you know like hey I went to this prep school almost like what college would be like for some guys where they say hey I went to you know Boston College or whatever but you can say to somebody I went to Cushing and you know that might provoke something if it might be a rivalry with another team or um, you know I know Steve Bergen played prep school as well and so he was kind of getting on guys (laughs) at certain times about where they went (laughs) yeah
1: uh Berge, actually, he went to Lawrence Academy, which mm-hmm. is right down the street from Cushing. Uh, so we'd uh, we chirp each other a little bit about that. But, um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of guys. Um, Tim Harrison was at Dexter, another prep school, when I was at Cushing that year. And uh, we played each other twice. I think they beat us once. We beat them once. So uh, sometimes talk about that as well. So it's definitely, definitely pretty cool.
0: And then you, you made the decision to, to go up to Quebec and – I think for a lot of guys, that's tough. Just for one reason is the language. Uh, a lot, there's a lot, probably a lot of French being being spoken up there. What was it like to to jump into a locker room where English might not be the only language that guys are speaking about right away?
1: No, it was definitely definitely different, definitely an adjustment. Um, but like I said, I loved my time up there. I um, I played for a couple awesome teams. Um, like you said, I was young, moving away from home, but I think that year at Cushing kind of helped me. Um, cause I thought in my back of my mind, that was something that, that I might want to do. And, um, you know, I loved it. Uh, played for, like I said, a couple of great teams had played in Moncton with, uh, Zach Malatesta, which was an awesome spot. Um, great ownership, another spot where they treated you just like, just like a professional and, um, had a couple good runs there, made it to the semifinals two years in a row. Unfortunately couldn't get it done but um those playoffs runs were unreal kind of felt um similar to a, a pro, pro pro playoff uh best four to seven series um crazy fans um one year we lost to uh quebec Remparts, and that was the year they were hosting the memorial cup and it was uh the last year at the old coliseum rink um and it was packed and then um Played then the next year or that same year sorry we played Halifax which is also another unreal rink we uh we beat them in seven games and that seventh game was in Moncton it was an awesome game but um like I said awesome series felt like felt like pro so I think that definitely prepared me for for where I am now
0: obviously a lot of guys coming out of that league that go pro what do you think some of the reasons are why, why has that league been successful for so, so long? What are some of the things that you got better at when, when you were up there?
1: Um, I think just becoming a professional. I mean, you play 68 games, which is uh, definitely similar to, to a pro schedule. Um, I mean, it's not, not meant for everyone. I thought that was, that was the best route for myself personally, but um, I think it's definitely prepared me, prepared me well for, for pro. I mean, the only the only difference I would say is obviously the you're playing against men now um obviously you don't have billets uh the family you live within you're not going to school but other than that the practice schedule the games the road trips um even the day bus trips we had a lot of like to Greenville and Jacksonville um I know some guys who coming out of college they've never really done that before so I was used to that um used to the long road trips and stuff like that um but no i definitely think it prepared me well for pro i
0: know you mentioned zach malatesta a longtime teammate up there um how did you guys become friends that i know you guys are both from the boston area does does your friendship go back even before uh the the quebec league
1: um it actually doesn't No, i mean we both uh we're going to moncton and uh we kind of set up some skates the summer before going there and that was that was the first time we actually met. I mean, I'm sure we've played against each other a bunch growing up in summer tournaments or whatever it may be, but um that summer before Moncton we started skating together and then went to the went to Moncton together um We were there for three years together and um after each season of Moncton we'd kind of we'd skate together all the time, hang out all the time, and just kind of kind of became really close um up until this day. We still skate in the summer pretty much every day together um But, no, yeah, it's definitely nice to have him on our side now and uh, not playing against him anymore. He's a great player, Um, likes to hit, likes to to play hard, so it's good to have him on our side.
0: Do you guys feel like you feed into some of the Boston stereotypes? Are guys in the room, you know, uh, ribbing you a little bit about, you know, Boston things like that, or is that something where you guys kind of float under the radar a little more? Um,
1: I think it kind of – no, guys are definitely giving it to us. I mean, <laughs> there's some words that me, Mal, or, or Harry say that might sound a little ridiculous to some of the guys, but I think we think some of the stuff they say sounds ridiculous too. So, I mean, definitely uh, friendly chirps going around. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm I'm from right in the city, so some guys like to give me a hard time about that. But, um, no, it's definitely, definitely pretty fun. Mal... Mal claims he's Boston's boy, so uh, we like to give him a little bit of chirps for that.
0: Well, when you were growing up, I mean look at the sports scene there i mean it's still amazing patriots without tom it's a little bit different for for them but i mean for your entire life basically your sports teams in boston that's been like the mecca of sports i mean what what was it like growing up there when you've been able to see you know all the four teams win championships in your lifetime
1: no yeah it's definitely definitely been awesome um growing up i was a huge bruins fan um huge Red Sox fan and then obviously a big Patriots fan as well. Um, but like you said, I've s- seen all four teams win, been to, uh, a handful of parades as well, which was, which are, are pretty cool. But, um, no, I mean, tough year for the Pats last year without Tom, who's definitely a little different, but, um, I mean, even the Bruins a couple years ago went to the cup final, uh, Red Sox a couple of years, wanted to. So, uh, hopefully they can get back on track, the Pats and the Red Sox, and then obviously the Celtics are are pretty are doing pretty well as well, so um, definitely not a bad sports town to grow up in.
0: I was actually at the uh, the parade for the Sox in 07. I was a freshman at, in college, so I, I that's the only parade I've ever been to, but I felt like, you know, hey, I didn't grow up a Red Sox fan, but you're in the city. The team wins yeah. the championship. You want to experience. It. I mean, what what's that like? Attending a parade for a team that you that you root for, where you can say, "Hey, like we did this. Our city did this."
1: Yeah, they're definitely uh, awesome. Um, so much fun. Um, I was at that O seven Red Sox one as well. I believe I was pretty young at that point, <laughs> but um, then um, I remember going to the Bruins parade. That was probably the most uh, most fun one because I loved the Bruins going, growing up and. They had a couple runs and then when they finally won the Stanley Cup, you couldn't believe it. And um, no, that was that was an awesome time. Uh,
0: switching switching back into into your career here, you you have the opportunity to turn pro and um, really in your three years, obviously the third one the story's not finished yet. You guys still got some, some time to write the ending ending chapters, but it's really been different because you've had a, a different head coach in all three of your seasons and you know, with a new coach comes a little bit of a new attitude, a little bit of a, a change in how things get done. Uh, what's it been like kind of going through in, in each year, having it be a little bit different?
1: Um, it's definitely, like you said, it's been um, a little bit different, but um, all three coaches are, are great coaches and and great people off the ice, which has been um, obviously awesome. Um, this year, it's nice having um Blairsey. He was here last year helping with the D and in the power play as well. Um, no, it's been it's been awesome. Um, he's so easy to talk to and um, such a good guy off the ice. And guys want to play for him because um, of the way he treats us. He treats us like professionals, um, which not every coach does. So we're definitely fortunate um, in that aspect. And um, like you said, this the story's not done this year. Obviously, we're in a little bit of a skid right now. Um, but we got a lot of hockey left, a lot of games left, and we got a great team in that room—a uh, a confident group—and uh, we're gonna we're gonna push for that playoff spot. And we're gonna be playing late into the season.
0: I, I skipped over this, but I, I I have to go back because we we're talking about coaches. Of course, you played for Jim Holton as well, who I was uh, privileged enough to be around for a couple of years, and you know, talk about treating someone like a professional. I felt mm-hmm. like you know even as a as a junior coach he's kind of the epitome of that is he really treats his players like professionals but he seems like somebody that everybody i talked to loved playing for him
1: oh i i loved playing for him probably probably my favorite coach i ever played for um it was my last season junior my 20 year old year and um like you said treated you like a professional was was hard on guys but guys just wanted to win for him so bad it was it was awesome um we were an eight seed um, that year going into playoffs. We made it to game seven of the conference finals. Um, just kind of an underdog story um, with with a coach who pushed you, but you just wanted to, like I said, win for him so bad. And um, he, away from the rink, he was awesome. He'd have uh, the older guys and, and the captains over his house for, for steaks and dinner all the time and just hang out and get to know him away from the rink, which was awesome too. But. Um, yeah, when you got to the rink it was time to put the work in. But um, he liked uh, he liked letting the boys have their fun and hanging out, and like I said, having us at his place for dinner with his family and stuff. So um, awesome guy, awesome coach. It was unreal playing for him.
0: Moving back to uh, to this this season, it, it's been different in the ECHL because there's less teams playing, so you're seeing a little bit more of the same teams a little bit more often, but competition's been e- even more heavy I, I mean there's less spots available in the league so you know there's a lot of guys right now that maybe can't find a job in this league and uh they've had to maybe go somewhere else because competition has been so so tense what's it been like being on the ice this year do you notice that that the ele- the, the levels elevated there this year
1: i uh, definitely notice it this year like you said only 14 teams playing um limited spots for guys so um that just means every team's that much better um every night there's there's never going to be an easy night at the rink uh especially this season uh teams are they got four lines 60 that can all play um so you definitely notice it out on the ice um and i mean that just makes you want to work harder even more to keep your spot because there's a lot of good players this season who had trouble uh finding jobs and um no like you said it's it's a competitive year. Um, all the teams are playing, playing pretty well. So, um, like I said earlier, I mean, I think we're we're going to flip the switch here and have that playoff mindset and um, make a deep run late into the season.
0: What's it been like playing in these arenas? I mean, going on the road, we don't get to talk to, to the guys as much, but, you know, you're used to a little bit different situation, but you come into a rink and – um, you know, none of them are full. So it's a little bit, a little bit different. What's, what's that like when you guys have been on the road to, to prepare for games? And then when you walk in there, uh, you, you don't have the same atmosphere you always do.
1: Um, I mean, it hasn't been too bad. I mean, obviously you notice it a bit. Um, but I think Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Orlando's a little bit of a bigger ring. So you kind of notice it more there. Um, but it hasn't been, hasn't been too bad personally. Um, I know Jacksonville, uh, I don't know how many fans they're allowed, but um I feel like those games have been pretty loud, and the atmosphere has been pretty good there and then obviously the uh, Florida um no matter how many people are in the stands, those games uh are gonna be high intensity so uh you know we hate them, they hate us, so those those are the fun games to plan.
0: yeah you touched on it. How do you get you know there's a lot of new guys in the in the locker room? And the rivalry with Florida is clearly unlike any other team when you guys play against them. But for new players who might step in and it might be, you know, one of their first games that you look at a guy like, um, you know, Kyle Rhodes or Casey Johnson jumping into the lineup. But yet they have to be prepared because that's that's not just like another game. What what do guys say to try to uh, get some of the younger or the newer players to to understand what that rivalry is like? No, yeah,
1: exactly. I don't know if you say uh something directly at them or if something even needs to have to be said um i think they can kind of sense it when we play florida we're down there and um i don't know it's just a different feeling when we're playing against them and even when they're in our building um like i said uh the two teams definitely don't like each other and um it seems like every every game something something's going on after the whistle or or something, so, um, but like I said, personally, those are the games I like to play in, and um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, going off of that, it, it seems like w- when you have that extra elevated rivalry there, like you said, it's it's a game you want to play in. Is there something where you guys have to kind of almost check yourself because you don't want to step out of the line, And and, you know, hey, it's easy to you know maybe do something that you might end up in the box and then we got to kill a penalty and they have a good power play so it's kind of you got to find that balance i guess
1: exactly there's definitely a fine line there between playing hard and and playing stupid um like you said they got a good power play so we can't be running around getting out, out of position taking penalties going to the box for 2 minutes and and them being on the power play we kind of we kind of want them to be be running around and, and be undisciplined. So our power play can put in the work and, and our power play can can put one in the back of the net. But um, like I said, those games are intense. Uh, stuff's going to happen. You just got to stay even keel. And, um, you know, like I said, they're a good team, but we're also a good team. And um, can't wait to play those guys again.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, looking forward, like you said, guys are looking to flip the switch. And and get moving here in in the right direction, you guys have a lot of games left on the schedule um What has that been like to try to try to figure out what what you need to correct and how you can get back on track here over the next couple of weeks?
1: No, like you said, I mean um there's a lot of games left a lot of a lot of hockey left. It's been nice to kind of get this um, full week without games get some good uh intense practices in work on our D zone, work on our systems. I feel like we've been playing so many games during the week and then weekend, and then you're on the bus for however long. Um, it's been tough to kind of string a couple practices in a row. Um, like I said, work on our systems, watch video. Um, so I think this week will be, will be uh, good for us, and then we'll be ready to roll this weekend.
0: Well, Cam, we appreciate your your giving us this time, and we appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. And uh, once again, we wish you all the best of luck. Hopefully, guys get going this weekend against Fort Wayne. And uh, yeah, it's it's been nice having you on.
1: Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Want to thank Cam for coming on and joining us once again this week. A guy who is really just a professional in every sense of the word. He'll do whatever you need. Whether it's on the ice, off the ice, he's in the community a lot. He enjoys interacting with our fans, enjoys meeting new people in the, in the low country area. And from an on-ice perspective, I mean, talk about a guy who can do everything, he's probably done a little bit of everything in his three years. With the Stingrays, he's been a part of the team's top line. He's been a t- part of the team's second line, third line, fourth line. Kind of can play up, to, up and down the lineup. Gets in front of the net on the power play. Can play penalty kill minutes if you need. Just kind of you know a, a center at sometimes, a wing other times. So really anything that you need him to do, maybe not play defense, but anything from the forward position that you need from Cam Askew, uh, he's been great, and we really enjoyed having him on the Pucktown Podcast this week. Going to be a lot of time spent at the North Charleston Coliseum over the next few weeks. Looking forward to seeing everybody and hopefully the Stingrays can turn it around and get a couple more wins, get themselves back into playoff contention. Currently uh, in fifth place in the ECHL's standings and looking to move forward. It's going to be a tough opponent this week against Fort Wayne, but looking forward to the challenge at hand and we'll have all the calls for you on the Stingrays Broadcast Network. Looking forward to seeing some great hockey here this weekend. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We hope you have a great one.